I'm Shachar Azani, and this is Israel at War. After the unspeakable atrocities which took place in the south of Israel only two weeks ago, in which thousands of innocent Israelis lost their lives in one of the most horrendous slaughter and massacre of Jews to happen ever since the Holocaust, and in one of the most unspeakable atrocities on the global stage, we've heard so much about the stench of death throughout the south of Israel, as Israel prepares to go into Gaza and to save our children, both the hostages and for our future, living in a viable state of Israel. What do things actually look like on that day, and what do they look like now? To tell us a bit more about what happened and what things are look like on the ground, I want to bring us all the way from Israel, my good friend Shachar Peled. Shachar is a commander in the Reserve Elite Paratrooper Unit of the IDF. He is the Vice President of Business Development at JIT, a leading Israeli cybersecurity company. Prior to that, he served as a CEO of Israeli Startup Eternity, and before that, he represented Israel on various events on the global stage, including public diplomacy missions and efforts throughout the U.S., China, and the world. Shachar, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Shachar. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. First of all, let me um, convey to you the sentiment from so many of our viewers and the American public, both Jews and non-Jews. We salute you as you battle this ultimate evil in the uh, south of Israel, the Nazi Hamas terrorist organization. We have all been shocked to the core with the sights that we have seen. And having you on is an incredible opportunity to convey to our viewers, what did it look like on the ground? Where were you when this happened? Um, and when you arrive on the scene on set, please share with us some of these firsthand experiences uh, from what you have seen. Sure. First, I'd like to really thank you for all the support, you and all the Jewish and American community. This is not something we take for granted, and this is truly felt daily um, in Israel down in the field. Um, two weeks ago, in the horrible Saturday, I was uh, in my apartment with my fiance up in the northern northern part of Israel, a city called Nahariya. Um, it was early in the morning when she woke me up, saying, Shaha, we're at war. I immediately woke up and said, okay, what happened? She told me that there are thousands of missiles being launched uh, towards Israel and terrorists have invaded Israel. Um, I didn't panic because it happened before. I knew it, things are going to be okay, but then we turned on the TV and things were different. We immediately took our stuff um, and drove to the center of Israel because oh, we felt like... different, Shachar. What do you mean different when you turned on the TV? Everything felt chaotic. We turned the TV on... We didn't see a normal missile attack that, yeah, there is a, an alert and you just go to the bomb shelter. Uh, well, we... you know, you know, I just, I'm sorry I'm, I'm stopping you again. I just want our viewers to really listen to what you just said. A normal missile attack. This is the reality that so many Israelis have lived under, that it became normal for us. We, we got used to these attacks coming from the South. Yeah, you know, after having lived in the States for a few years, saying this sounds weird because no country should live under the threat of a missile attack on a daily basis from our neighbors. And yeah, this has become a reality, but it happens so many times. So me personally, and many of my friends and family, we don't take it in a very hard way. We say, okay, things are gonna be okay. But this time was different. Thousands of terrorists have invaded Israel. You saw testimonials from the ground um, of kibbutzim, small towns near the border with Gaza that have been invaded. There's no contact with people. There was a very large party that you all heard about. That I had a very good friend and family member there that we couldn't reach. 
um, it felt different. So we took our stuff, we packed, and people said that this might go to the north and to the border with Lebanon as well. So we took our stuff, drove to the center. I had a feeling that I had to take my reserves back with me, just, just in case. And 30 minutes after, we started driving to the center of Israel, and I got the call from my commander saying, report to base. This has never happened so quickly from the start of an operation or a war towards the time they call us to go to base since I joined res uh, reserves duty. Um, a few hours later, I find myself in the base, taking the weapon, the gear, and driving towards the Gaza border. Um, from this point on, it felt like I was living inside a nightmare. A but before, before we get to the border itself, tell us a little bit about that drive. You know, it took you, what, probably an hour or so to get from the an north. Hour and north an hour and a half. Is what it? was it like? What was the feeling? What were you listening to? Um, because it was very early morning, um, what, a couple of hours into Hamas's onslaught on, on the south of Israel. What it did you know that, that was happening? What did you feel that was happening? The numbers started piling up. When I got there, we heard on the news that there are about 20 or more casualties uh, when I got there, someone from my uni told me that they have a friend who's already there and we should be happy if it ends with 500. I got shocked. Every time you go into a bus... 500, you said? Yep, that's what they said. I wish it was 500, knowing what I know now. But when you enter a bus with the IDF, usually people talk to each other. They're sometimes happy because they haven't been here in a while. No one has been saying a word the whole ride. We're just ready, scared not knowing what to expect. And usually you drive directly to your destination. This time we're stopped about 30 minutes uh, away from the border in a very common intersection in Israel, very popular with the McDonald's and other shops. They told us to get off the bus, uh, put our gear on, get into a war zone inside of Israel. So inside deep. Inside of Israel. And this is, it was a surreal moment for us to get into a war zone so deep into Israel. You, you got to the center of Israel. You bid your fiancé and family goodbye. What was that like? What did your family, what was your family's reaction, Shachar? You know, first they start crying because, you know, you've heard so many stories of soldiers who bid farewell. And this was the last, uh, last time talking to the families. So you start writing in your notes in case, God forbid, something happens. You call everyone that you love, that you have time. My parents, my fiancé saying you love them and you'll be in touch. Um, and you know, you have tears as well, as much as you want to be brave and you want to be there. I'm a 30-year-old guy. I got out of the IDF almost 10 years ago. I work in a cybersecurity company. Okay. I'm not a combat soldier in my daily life. It's been years, but this time it's different. It's not just the soldiers who serve in the IDF currently. It's everyone who could serve need to be there and help because this is a war. Is a war. We've seen great mobilization and great spirit by so many people around Israel. We've seen it right here in the United States with lines at JFK and other airports of young Israelis who are interested, you know, young reservists like you who were just released from the army and, you know, started building their own lives and, um, you know, made their way to the first plane, making its way to Israel to join this uh, important, important combat. So you're off the bus and you're asked to put on your 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 war gear while you're within Israel. What did that feel like? It was surreal. You know, I felt like, are you kidding me? Like we're deep into Israel. Why do I need to wear this? But 
as I say, it felt different. So we didn't say anything. We put our gear on. We were ready. And then from this point on, we entered the, the war zone, driving towards the Kibbutzim, the small town, uh, the small towns near the border with Gaza. And I felt like I was entering a combination of a horror movie with with a nightmare that felt apocalyptic. You know, the, the scenes, the smells. What did you see? What did you see? You know, when you look at, at the Holocaust, you see piles of bodies. And I couldn't imagine it. It was so many years ago. But this time, 2023, in Israel, you see burnt cars and houses everywhere. You see bodies. You see body parts. You see blood. You see bullet holes everywhere in cars, in houses. Um, crash cars that were just, you know, crashed into each other. Um, you smell, this is something you just can't see in the videos. This is something I will never forget. And just smell of death, smell of destruction. And, you know, it's something that I can never unsee. Wow. The stench of death. Were there, um, you arrived there Saturday evening, afternoon, night? Yeah. Were there, um, were there any... Did you encounter any of Hamas's Nazis in the area? Yeah, so our mission was to go into one of the kibbutzim that felt like a military base by then and st- help stabilize the area alongside other units. Um, and every time there were new um, terrorists that you know, entered Israel or just came out of the bushes, were alongside other units, had to chase them down um, and, and find them and take them or kill them. This was our goal, and three, four, five times a day, this is what we did. We were ready. We got a call on the radio, and he started chasing them um, until the area was stabilized, and we knew it. We took most of the terrorists, pushed them away to Gaza, killed them or captured them. And as you say, Nazis, these are not normal terrorists. You know, we've seen terrorists before. We all served in the IDF. These are Nazis. You look at their eyes. The hate is just something that... It's not, it's not from this world. It's nothing that I could imagine that would happen in Israel or anywhere else on this world. You know, the kind of barbarism that was described was, you know, targeting the, um, the very innocent, the very fragile from, you know, elderly people aged 70, 80, 90, Holocaust survivors, the targeting of young children, the unbelievable cruelty against civilian population. I can only imagine if that was, you know, your reaction what was the kind of reaction you saw on the faces of the survivors? You know, we've heard horrible stories. Um, the story of, you know, Wynet photographer and his wife um, who were butchered. Um, two of their children hid in the cabinet for many hours. Uh, actually wouldn't come out for 14 hours, even the, the, when they heard IDF soldiers come in. Um, only when their uncle came did they come out. And, and the young daughter, Avigail, who was three, um, her parents butchered, her siblings are hiding in a, in a cabinet, just like the Holocaust. And she was abducted by Hamas, a three-year-old, an orphan three-year-old at the hands of Hamas. I mean, this is these are unspeakable atrocities, as you say, Shahar, so aptly, um, something that you cannot unsmell or unsee. Yeah, I mean, talking about it, thinking about it, it felt like it was yesterday, although it was two two weeks ago. You go into a house in, inside one of the kibbutzim, the Shabbat dinner was still on the table. They haven't cleaned it yet, but you see stains of blood 
and you see infants clothes full of blood and bullet holes everywhere. And we met some of the people from Zaka, the organization that helps take the bodies out. And they told us stories that some of us saw in videos, but you see it in their eyes and photos that they took of the apartment with 40 babies, some of them beheaded, some of them burnt alive. Another apartment, they saw a body of someone just cut in half. And another one that we saw, we saw something burnt. I thought it was a pile of something, maybe something was burnt. And apparently this wasn't something, it was someone. And everywhere you go, there are different stories. Some of them heroic, most of them are just horrible. Atrocities that should not exist in this world, should not exist anywhere. And you know, Atrocities that should not exist in this world. You know, this is how we try to frame the understanding of this um, incredible, brave, heroic, and important battle that Israel is waging. It's a battle of humanity versus barbarism. And listening to you, you're giving a first-hand account of what exactly that looks like. Yeah, and you know, people say Hamas. Yeah, some people know this organization, but the first thing that came to mind to me, and I think to many others, is this is worse than ISIS. Right. Worse than the Nazis. They were all horrible organizations, horrible, you know, people. They had hate. They wanted to kill not just Jews, by the way. We're just the first ones because we're the closest ones. But this is what not what Hamas wants. I think this is the first time that people are really seeing who they are and what they are. And it's time for the world to understand what we are facing. You know, Shahar, you um before you know we touch on what it looks like you know for the for the public in israel for your fellow soldiers for you and as as you're part of the you know the upcoming attack against those nazi isis islamists i want to ask you just as a as a youngster as a human being as somebody who's had experience on the global stage you know i i know you've spoken with many groups of young americans and interacted with many you know many people around the world we have seen images of American students at places like Harvard University and elsewhere expressing sympathy for Hamas, uh, for Gaza, and against Israel. Can you begin to understand where that comes from? Like, what does that make you feel? And why is, in your opinion, how how come? How come such a simple moral truth, like the one you're echoing, is a, is, is, is a quagmirical mystery for these people? Yeah, that's a great question. The first few days, I didn't have time to scroll on social media. But then I did when things came down a little bit. And I saw what I saw in every operation we had with Gaza, with Hamas. And I tried to understand why people hate us so much. But then yeah, we had to explain, we had to educate people. I think now when people have seen what they saw that Hamas did, this shocked me. Like It hit me like something that never hit me before. I did not expect the world to be hating Israel so much. All of these people to be saying what they're saying on social media. I think there are three reasons for this to happen. Three reasons to be anti-Israel. One of them, you could be an anti-Semite. And that would be understandable to hate in Israel. I have nothing else to say about them. The second reason is if you're a radical Muslim. Because Hamas is a radical Islamic organization, just like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, and others. 
That is and, such that is such an important point that you're making here, Shachar, because people don't realize they think that you know Hamas necessarily equals you know the the political Palestinian issues. Now there is no doubt that Hamas comes from within the Palestinian people, but their priority is creating an Islamic state, just like ISIS and others. They're not very big on the nation national issue, you know, the nation of Palestine, but rather focus on having an Islamic state with it, which they actually had in Gaza. And that's what they were able to create. And, you know, people sometimes confuse who these guys really are. They don't even hide it. You know, they don't represent the Palestinian people. They don't fight for the Palestinian people. They fight for radical Islam. They want to build the great radical Islamic state on top of the Western civilization. It's in their laws. It's in their books. It's what they do. It's what they say. People try to look the other way, but they don't represent Palestinian people. Palestine should be free. You should free them from Hamas. Right. This Actually, is... Israel is fighting their own battle. Exactly. Yeah, we are wasting, you know, the unfortunate casualties and atrocities that we have suffered will be a stepping stone in their own liberation. That is an unbelievable reality. But how the you mentioned anti-Semitism, you mentioned, you know, the, the support for you know, like try to rationalize, understand where that hatred is coming from. So where does it come from, Shahar? Why don't they understand the very simple realities that you're echoing? So just before the third reason, continuing what you said, Hamas wants Palestinians to die. Right. Want the world's support. They've right. been victimizing themselves for 70 years. They've done nothing good in this world. They've nothing. done nothing good. Nothing. They built terror. They created destruction, chaos everywhere they've been. And they're destroying the Palestinian people. They don't fight for them. They would want to kill them. They don't mind if they die. Look at the whole at the uh, hospital um, situation a few days ago. They were happy because it shows the world that someone else could be blamed. But this is who they are. And they do not represent them. And I had some Palestinian friends. Maybe I still do. I haven't spoken to them since. They don't want Hamas to be there. They support Israel because they want a future. They want to live in peace. They want to go to work. They want to raise families. They don't want to live in fear. And they want to live in an advanced world where they can actually grow to be elderly and, and happy and not victims. If only they were in power, Shahar. Exactly. And the third reason that I think people hate Israel is because in our, you know, in the history and in Hollywood and the way that we grow up, we know that the strong is always the bad guy. You see it in movies, you see it in stories from the history, you see it in the Bible. The weak and the small is always the victim. So all of those people who are uneducated of the situation, the history, all of those people who just follow trends, they see the weak and they see the strong. Unfortunately, we can't be the weak one. If we'll be the weak country, the weak player in the area, we wouldn't exist. If Israel lays down, lays down its weapon, there will be no more Israel. If right. the Palestinians and Hamas lay down the weapon, there'll be peace across the Middle East. Right. We can't, but we are the stronger one. And this makes people go against us. And yeah, we're outnumbered because those radical Muslims are plenty of them. And they're strong and they're strong on social media. And those people, this is the majority. And these are the, I think, dangerous people because there are so many of them. You see them on college campuses across the world, specifically in America. Right. You see the riots led by those radical Muslims. But right. so many people follow them because they follow the underdog. Shafra, the do, you think, do you think that um, for the first time, 
the world, the Western world, the free world um, that believes in democracy and the enlightened principles and freedoms. Do you think there is some some sort of an awakening there? I think there is because I see the the Western world leaders and I see many influential people on social media and across the world that support Israel. They see the atrocities now. Unfortunately, it doesn't sink too deep into their people. Right. But I think for the first time in history, or since this conflict has started when Israel was established 75 years ago, that there's no easier choice. You either support Hamas, which means supporting Al-Qaeda and ISIS and Hezbollah and Russia and North Korea and, and all the evil in this world, or you support Israel, which means supporting the Western civilization, good versus evil the player that you want to support because he represents you and the rest of the civil world, because we are first. And if Israel wasn't strong enough, we'll be first in a line of many. Next will be Europe and then the states. They're not going to stop with Israel. Very true. People need to know true. that there is a very simple choice. Indeed. Shahar, what do, what do things describe the atmosphere among soldiers, among civil society, you know, among Israelis at this moment in time? You know, when I was in the field, I'm going back there tomorrow. The moral is is so high. People are happy. People are motivated. People are strong. And they are proud to represent Israel. They're proud to defend Israel. They're proud to be there. When you go back home, and unfortunately, I was injured in one of the um, chases after terrorists a few days oh, ago. Wow. I went home for a few days after being in the hospital. People are broken. And sad, and unfortunately, I lost a very good friend and family member. And you break down and cry. And I try to talk to people. We can't break down. Yeah, we should be sad, but we should be strong. And after we win this war, and we will, then we'll have time to break down and cry and think of how to move forward with our country and our lives. But first, we need to be strong and united. But as you asked, the, the the situation is that everyone is down there in the field. The soldiers are motivated and happy and strong and together. And people in the back are sad and they want to help. But the amount of, of help that we get and support and everyone in Israel just come together to, to help out, to do whatever they can, to donate, to help people who lost their you know loved ones or houses or anything that they had and to just help and support. I've never seen this kind of, camaraderie in Israel and it's amazing. were you surprised to see how quickly Israel came together like this iron fist against our enemies is iron fist against our enemies no but Israel has been divided lately just right. like the US I'm not going to go into politics but I was surprised to see how quickly and strongly the people of Israel came together not the IDF the IDF was always strong and people are always eager and motivated to to defend their country but the people in Israel inside their cities came together in a way I think never seen before. That's uh, that's incredible. And among your your fellow soldiers, is there an understanding of you know how important this moment is for the people of Israel and really for the world, as you said? Yeah, I think people are they understand the mission, understand the importance of it. You know, usually people go and, and serve in reserves because we have to, but not everyone comes. Let's right. say we have 100% of people within our unit that comes. This time we had 150%. Even people who have been released from reserves duty, they want to join. They want to help. They want to be there. We're angry. And we should be angry. And we're sad. And we're furious. 
we're still human beings and we're still a very moral and very just military force. And when we are going to invade Gaza, we'll make sure there's the least amount of, of casualties on, their pop, on civil population. And we hope to only aim at the terrorists, those Nazis that just deserve to not be on this earth. And this is for the best of anyone in this civil um, civilization. So we're going to try and do it. We're going to take and, and use this anger for the best to defend our country, but also not forget who we are and what we're representing. And this is what I hope we can achieve, although we all know that Hamas is using so many of their people as human shield. Um, and this is going to be a complicated fight to fight. And we have seen like, a great, um, we have we have seen you know a great sense of unity and resilience even here um, among many Jewish communities. We have also seen many Jews who in the past were on the other side who did not support Israel and went with the false narratives promoted by AOC and other propagandists. And there has been an awakening for them as well when they saw that even the butchering and decapitation of the innocents and babies um, doesn't resonate with their supposed partners on that extreme left who really have this deep animosity towards the very existence of Israel, which I think is, you know, in spite of the horror and the pain and the slaughter, this is good news long term for Israel. Um, but like you said, we have a mission. So my question to you, Shahar, as we, as we conclude this very interesting conversation with you, what would be your message as somebody who's very familiar with the American Jewish community? You have been a shaliach here. You know a lot of the people. You're very active. You've always been very active. What is your main message to the American public and to the American Jewish community who stand by Israel at this moment? You know, I'll split my message to two. The first part, I'll make it personal because, yeah, we're going through very hard days. And as I said in the beginning, I'm engaged and I was due to get married in six days. Yes, you were. Yes. Yeah. And we have postponed the wedding. And this is not even the biggest pain or problem I'm having right now. We lost so many of, of our best and we lost friends and family. And I only pray that my invite list won't get any shorter than it has gotten um, the past few days. And Amen. as for the message, you know, we are strong and we're united and we're going to win this war. But for the sake of Israel, for the sake of the Jewish people, for the sake of the Western civilization, we need the world to understand, understand and know what's good and what's bad, what's good and what's evil. And when they keep supporting Hamas, ISIS, Hezbollah, I can't even describe what this makes us feel. When we fight this war for the Western civilization, we need you, the American people, not just the Jewish people, the American people, the people of the Western world, to try and educate and push away those that support terrorism, those that do not support a peaceful democratic state, and educate them. Educate them with the truth. Educate them with passion. Educate them with understanding good from bad good from evil and this is up to you we can help but you have the word you have the language you have the platform to share the truth with and if you do this i promise you we're going to do our side we're going to win you're going to help us win on social media and educate the world to make it a better place not just for the jews not just for israelis but for everyone who wants to seek peace and prosperity
Yachar, clearer words could not have been spoken. I I can't tell you how much I personally, and I'm sure each and every person who stands with Israel, who views us and beyond, thanks you for all that you do. We are deeply sorry for your loss and for the loss of the entire Am Israel, people of Israel. We know these difficult times are not just in Israel, but across the hearts and minds of so many Israelis, Jews, and decent people across the globe. You, Shachar, represent the very best of Israel. We wish you the safety, security, and success, and Mazal Tov on hopefully what will be a wonderful celebration not too long uh, from now. And um, we are with you as you go to war to save our children and bring back the hostages home. Thank you, Shahar, so much. I hope we can meet again in, in a few short weeks or months after knowing that we've made this world a better and safer place for everyone. Amen. And to all of you, our viewers, um, we will continue to keep you updated. And as we say, and as Shahar so eloquently said, it's very important to remember and to remind everyone that this is not just about Israel and the Nazi Hamas terrorist organization. This battle has great moral, strategic, and meaning and ramifications for Israel, for the United States, and for the entire world. May we see better days. I'm Shachar Azani, and thank you all for watching. Am Israel Bye.